come on the screen. But I just want to read a verse to you because we're launching a new series called Simplify. I'll give a little bit more of an introduction to you in a few moments. But in Proverbs 4, verse 23, it says this, Above all else. They're pretty powerful words, three words. That means to say that it's above everything else. There's no other, there's no other thing that, that compares with it. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. I want to say that again. Above all else, guard, or look at me for a moment, this heart. It's not talking about the, 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 the thing that pumps blood around us. It's talking about the soul. Who makes you who you are. What gives you your personality. Above all else, guard that for everything you do. That's again a big statement. Everything you do flows from this thing here. Everything you do flows from it. You know, if we're to live out of an overflow and that's been the thought of the year and we're very grateful to, for God for giving us that thought and we're believing for an overflow of vision and purpose and prayer and opportunity and overflow in finances and overflow in family and overflow with young people and older people and overflow of salvation, just an overflow, not living out of a residue but living out of an overflow. If we are to live out of an overflow, we must first address this verse. Because we will not live out of an overflow if we don't guard our heart and if we don't look after the thing that flows from it. But if we will look after our hearts, if we will guard our hearts, then good stuff is going to overflow from it. So we must first take responsibility. We have to say to ourselves, this is my heart, this is my body, this is my life. I need to guard it. It's interesting, there's a lot of people who are forever wanting to blame. You know, we play the blame game. We want to blame everybody and everything for the things that are happening to us. And there are some things, as Josh has mentioned with, from the life of Joseph, he actually didn't do anything wrong, but lots of things happened to him. And I know that does happen at times, but there are a lot of people who will not own the mistakes. They will not own the failure. They're forever wanting to pass on the blame. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? And sometimes that's how we can too can live our lives. But we have to take hold of our lives, take responsibility for our lives. We need to guard our hearts and we have to make sure that we live out of a simple overflow. I want to say this, if we're to guard our hearts, I honestly believe that we need to declutter our hearts. What I've realized is this, in pastoral counseling and talking with people, just being around people and being very much a people person. I like people. I really do. I find people interesting. I find the way that people live their lives interesting. I find, I find people more interesting than television. Anybody with me on that? I'd, I'd rather actually talk to somebody than watch reality TV that actually isn't really reality because it's all set up. Sorry to burst the bubble. They all know what they're doing. They all know how they're living their lives. Anybody in agreement with me? Yeah, that's how I think anyway. 
And that's no conspiracy, I just think that's how it lives. But I actually like people, I like watching people. But I realise through watching people and being with people, that hearts are very complex. Our hearts, who we are, is very complex, very fragile, very sensitive. And actually all the issues of our life, there's another version that says from Proverbs 4 verse 23, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it spring the issues of life. Everybody say issues. Do you have an issue today? There are many people who have issues. And it all flows from their hearts. And so if we're going to live out of an overflow, then we need to deal with our hearts. You may say, well, that's all well and good, but tell me how to do that. What is the answer? Well, we honestly believe one of the things that would be really good for us as a church over the next few weeks we're going to journey together is that okay we're just going to journey and we're going to journey around this thought called simplify so we're just going to think about this so about three years ago there's a North American pastor who just developed this whole thought and he actually wrote a book and I read this book and I've allowed it to just settle in my heart because he was dealing with some really really practical things and when we was in prayer and we're just plotting through what we do with regards to ministry This whole thought of how do we help people to live out of an overflow? How do we practically help people? How do we address some of the issues that every single one is facing? How do we address the issue of the mom who's raising kids and the challenges that come with there and then to the guy who's running a business and it's so pressured and then the guy who's going to work you know working for a boss who's frankly you know like the devil incarnate and you know you're not him, are you? You're not here today. No, okay. You know, and, and, and kids, you know, at, at school with exams and, and those who are in retirement in a new season and those who are trying to grapple with what they do with the little money that they've got because you're on benefits or we're trying to just figure out how do we help people? And so we're going to run for the next few weeks journey around this thought around Simplify. What we want to say is this, we want to help you to unclutter your soul. There are actually seven practices that we're going to have here in Ilkeston that are going to help you, by God's grace, to unclutter your soul. Things like, anybody ever here ever felt overwhelmed? Just give me a wave. I need your help, participation. Okay, anybody, lots of people have felt overwhelmed. Those who've ever felt overwhelmed, you love it when you feel like you're in control, don't you? Yeah, you get, you've almost got your life back into order. We're going to hopefully look at that, how, how we can go from overwhelmed to, uh, to in, control, into, in control with regards to our finances. There are many people who are wounded. Life has wounded you. We're going to go on a journey to wholeness, making room for forgiveness. From isolated, lots of people who are isolated. I've realized that just looking at the project, it's been wonderful, the start that we've made and just great things and people coming in and we're still tweaking things, but the guys have been incredible. The staff have been incredible. But there's lots of people who are coming in who are living isolation. So how do you go from isolation to being connected? Well, we're going to help you how to deepen your relational circle. From stuck, those who feel like they're stuck, to now moving on. Welcoming new seasons in your life. Some of you are in a new season and we want to help you with that. From anxious to peace, from conquering your fears and this is a great one. Anybody ever feel like you've overscheduled? You're forever chasing your tail. Well, we're going to help you to go from overscheduled to 
organised. But today, today, I want to talk about a really, really important thing that I think we've all been in, and I certainly have it many times throughout my life. But I want to talk today specifically about how we can go from exhausted to energised. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> from exhausted, I feel like I'm talking to some people because I can see the lethargicness in the room, from exhausted to energised. And how we can replenish our energy levels. So Father, I pray that as we approach this message today and as we approach these next few weeks, that you would speak to us. Your word has so much practical instruction. Thank you that you are not a God who is far away, distant, aloof. But you are here and you are wanting to help us. And you're wanting to point us and show us. My Father, I pray that you would lovingly lead people today into freedom. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. If you've ever felt exhausted, then we want to lead you to energized. You see, I honestly believe that the greatest gift that we can give, that I can give my family and the world, is a healthy me. Let me put it another way. I believe that the greatest gift you can give your family and the world is a healthy you. I'm not just talking about a healthy as in, you know, you're on it, you could run a marathon. I'm not talking about that kind of health because frankly, we can have some people who are incredibly healthy on the external, but are incredibly unhealthy on the internal. Am I speaking to anybody today? On the outside, you've got got a clean bill of health, but internally your heart... Is pouring out stuff and you've not got any freedom. And God wants to bring you to a place of freedom today. You see, around this thought of simplifying our lives, simplified living is about more than doing less. So as soon as we say simplify, we just think to ourselves, oh, that means I just need to go and live on a on a Jamaican beach and, you know, sip pina coladas and just have the coconuts fall on me and just, you know, the, the waves crashing in. Does that sound lovely or what? Yeah, okay. But that's not simplified living. It's not about, it's not about, it's more than doing less. It's, it's actually about being who God has called us to be with a wholehearted, single-minded focus. It's about walking away from the innumerable opportunities in favour of the few to which we've been called and created for. It's about a lifestyle that allows our heads hit the pillow at night and we have such gratitude in our hearts for what we've got to be involved with. I have to say this thought about from exhausted to energised and replenishing our energy levels is a real challenge to me, I have to be honest. Because I am prone to overworking. Seriously. And I'll tell you why. Because I like what I do. I love my job. I love what I get to do. I love what I get to pastor. I love that I get to lead. I love that I get to serve. It's a privilege. I never assume it's it's an entitlement. I love what I get to do. I hope that shows. That's why I have a passion. I'm not having to drag myself here on a Sunday. I'm not having to drag myself from my office to here. And then as soon as I've done here, I want to get back in my office and keep the people away from me. I love what I get 
to do. And sometimes when you get love what you get to do, that can be the sum total of your focus. You see, it's sometimes difficult if you love what you get to do and you love work to, di- to differentiate between that which is essential and the, unimportant, and the unimportant. I remember talking to a wise counsel of mine a number of years ago and I kept using this phrase in our conversation and our conversation that I had with him and I kept saying it was, it's just a busy season. It's a busy season and a busy season. And he just stopped. He said, stop. He says, you've said this, it's a busy season, it's a busy season, at least half a dozen times. I'm fearful for you, Christian, because this busy season sounds like to me that it's a lifestyle. You see, sometimes there's busy seasons that we're in and things are, you know, hot and, and, and things, are, things are pressing forward. And if I can say in the life of the church, we've had that with the project. It's been a very busy season, very intense season. We came on the back of Christmas And it was very, very busy. It was a busy season. And then we come into the project opening. Those are on team. And there's lots of things happening. It's a busy season. But we have to be careful that that season doesn't become a lifestyle. And this is what we want to speak into again today. Because it can be that if we allow the season to become the lifestyle, we ultimately are overworked and we ultimately come to exhaustion which means that we're utterly, utterly unreplenished. And this can be a major issue if we are not careful and intentional. You see, God's heart is this, that we would live life and life to the full. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life in all of its fullness. Just nudge the person next to you and said, he said life. He said life. And I want to show you just for a moment a very real life story which shows the opposite to what I've just said from this verse. Here we find in this story in Luke in chapter 10 and verse 38 in a moment, we're going to read about uh, three people, two are mentioned, that Jesus was very, very good friends with. You see, Jesus chose 12, but out of the 12 disciples, he had three who he was particularly close with. But then there were three other people and they had happened to be siblings. Their names were Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And Jesus, he was really, really good friends with these people. Really good friends with them. And he would often, I think the Bible records that he would often, you know, spend time with them, eat with them, socialize with them, have fellowship with them, eat with them. And we pick up the story in Luke 10, verse 38, and it reads, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village. So he was just passing through, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that he had to be made. That had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried 
and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let me just give you the context very quickly to this story, because I've already mentioned reality TV. This is like watching a, a, you know, an episode of Gogglebox or whatever. I've never watched it, so I have no idea. Or you know, these reality TVs, it's like watching it and somebody was recording what had happened here. Because Jesus basically, unannounced, had just dropped in. He popped into Mary and Martha's. I can only assume that Mary and Martha must have had a little bit of resource around their lives because there were 13 of them. At least 13 of them, because there was the disciples and there was Jesus, there's 13. And for them to be able to welcome 13 into the house, they must have had a house that could have accommodated them. They must have had some food to be able to put on. And Jesus was just dropping by unannounced. Don't you just love that, ladies, when somebody does that? Or when the husband brings somebody home, oh, it's all right, we'll have, you know, and you have to pull up another chair. This is what was happening. Jesus was just passing through. But what happened was that Mary just decided that she wanted to just just sit with Jesus. She wanted to sit at his feet and she wanted to say, Jesus, tell me, what, what have your journeys been like? And has everything been, has everything been okay? And have the Pharisees been getting on your nerves? I'm sure they have. Oh, and those Sadducees, they need sorting out Jesus. But don't worry, I'm praying for you. And it's just so lovely to see you. Are you keeping well? How are the disciples? Are they behaving themselves? And he was just talking. They were talking. Whilst the talking was going on, whilst the talking was going on, there was a lot of noise going on in the kitchen. You know what I'm talking about, men? Martha, she's hearing all this. Pans are going down. Men, have you ever experienced this? Read the story. And there are three things that we need to pick up from this story. You see, Mary was spending time with Jesus... But Martha was busying herself and Martha snapped. There have been occasions, is my wife here, I've nearly got in a lot of trouble on first Tuesday night. You'll have to listen to the podcast to hear how it nearly happened. But there have been on occasions where Caroline has said, now you will help me tonight, won't you, when we've had people around. Of course, sweetheart, I'll help you. Of course. <laughs> But I chose the better thing to just engage with my company. <laughs> Somebody's got to do the food. No, good looking like that. And somebody's got to engage with them. And that happens to be me while you go and slave away in that kitchen. And all you hear, like I've said, is the... <laughs> and that's a clue. Guys, do we know what we're talking about? It's a clue. Get in the kitchen... And go and help. But notice that Martha comes out of the kitchen and this is what she says. Verse 40. Read it for yourself. She said to him, she didn't go to Mary. She went straight to the Lord and said, Lord, don't you care? Have you got the irony of that verse? The Son of God leaves the comfort of heaven. And she has the audacity to say to him, 
do I care? I know what I'm going to be leading my life into, hanging on a cross for you, and you're asking me, do I care? But this is what she says, Lord, don't you care? And then she goes on even worse. Tell her, she's almost pointing at her while she's talking to Jesus. Tell her to help me. Can you hear the frustration? Can you hear the, you know, the exhaustion of Martha? And Jesus replies, Martha, Martha. In other words, he's saying, take a chill pill, will you, Martha? For goodness sake. He says to her, Martha, you are overworked. You're overwhelmed. You're exhausted and overscheduled. You've been preoccupied. You're now churned up. And you're now incredibly annoyed. All I'm here is to spend some time with you. I'm not bothered about a meal. Just give me a little loaves and fishes and I'll feel a multitude. Just give me a little bit of water and I'll turn it into the best wine you've ever tasted. I don't need your preparation. I just want to spend some time with you. And then the third thing he says is this. Jesus responds to her, to her moaning and complaining. He says to her, few things are needed. Indeed, only one. He was saying to her, Martha, this is an interesting and complete and, and forceful reminder to you that your sister, unfortunately, she chose well. You sometimes have to leave the stuff, Mar- Martha, undone. And come and sit down for an unrushed conversation with me. I don't know whether you this story resonates in your heart at times when you've been frustrated when somebody says, I'm going on holiday, and you think, huh, I wish I could go on holiday. I'm too busy to go on holiday. Anybody ever been tempted to feel like that? And these things can easily get a hold of our hearts. And we can become irritated and we can become frustrated. If you want to know how I really am, you just need to ask my wife. My wife knows when my energy levels are going low because I become irritable. I become irritable with her and I become irritable with the children. Anybody else like that? My staff know that I'm irritable. They know when I'm ready for a holiday, when I'm ready for a few days off. Because the way I may talk, I don't want you thinking I'm barking orders. There's just a different tone that I possibly have. And this is a good time for us to stop and think, do I need to now work from the position of where I'm now exhausted to now get in energized? So here's the thought. What is the pathway? Well, there is a pathway to this. And I want to just talk to you very quickly about how do we then help ourselves with this. And the way I want to describe it is I just want to draw, that's quite a good drawing actually. It's a bucket. And it's all pouring out of this bucket because the bucket is, everybody say full. You see, We've got to think of our lives of like being a bucket and what we're filling in. You see, I know that when my bucket is full, 
It's full of overflow. It's full of where I just know I'm at my best. I sense God's presence. You know, when my bucket's full, I love well. When my bucket's full, I make wise decisions. When my bucket's full, I eat better and I sleep better. When my bucket's full, I'm actually much more creative. When my bucket's full, I even have patience for Manchester United fans. I'm restful. I'm happy. I'm prayerful. I'm grateful. But oftentimes, our buckets are not full. But they are, everybody say empty. What does the bucket look like when it's empty? Oh my goodness. For me, I can't say for you. When my bucket is empty, I'm resentful. I'm massively irritated. Massively. I tend to overreact. I withdraw. I retreat. I isolate myself. You know, when my bucket's empty, I overeat and I overthink and I overwork. Because that's where I hide. When my bucket's empty. I want to say, for some people it goes even worse than that because the emptiness of the bucket is a bad place. Sometimes even a dark place. So we can see the contrast between the full bucket and the empty bucket. And we're talking about going from, energy, from exhausted to energized. But how are we going to do it? How can I fill the bucket? Is that it? No, 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 no. If you feel like you're here or you're just there or even there, but it's certainly not full, there is hope today because you can fill the bucket. You can replenish your energy levels and you can go from exhausted to energized. And in the last few moments that I've got, I'm going to race, literally race through just a few points that I have, which I think will help both Christians and those who are on a journey to faith to really connect with this message. For me, how do I fill up my bucket levels? Well, the first thing principally is we have to do it through, or I do it through, connecting with God. Connecting with God. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call on him while he is near. I want to say the Lord is here and he wants to connect with you. You sir, you madam. He wants to connect with you. He wants to connect with you as a family, as a couple. He wants to connect with you. You know, he wants to be found by you. We have this phrase that we want people to know God. God isn't playing hide and seek with you. He's revealing himself to you all the time. He's wanting you to know him. You see, he wants you to know him because as you then come into his presence, then you are filled with joy because Psalm 16 verse 11 says this, you will show me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. You see, as we connect with God, there's a joy that comes to our lives and our bucket levels start to increase. Has anybody ever experienced this as we connect? With God. 
See, God came down to earth to touch real man. This is a glorious gospel of grace. He came to us. This is what's so different about Christianity and the other religions of the world. The other religions of the world says this, if you do this, if you achieve, if you try, if you buy, then you may possibly get to me. But the gospel of grace is that you don't have to do anything other than just receive this glorious saviour. Because Jesus came to earth, God came to earth in the form of a man. We don't have to try, we just have to receive this grace. I think that's great news this morning. Anybody else believe that's good news? And that is the difference, because God wants to connect with us, and he wants us to connect with him. Some people connect through outdoors, walking, and through the senses. Some people connect to God through solitude and work. And a number of years ago, we did a, a great series in the life of this church called Sacred Pathways, showing how people connect to God. It's just a bit of a help today, this morning. But, you know, as I encourage new Christians who have made the connection with God, I say to them, just take the 15-minute challenge. They say, what's that? I say, the 15-minute challenge is this. Why don't you take five minutes to pray, five minutes to read your Bible, and then five minutes to just journal and reflect? 15 minutes, that's all it's going to demand of you while you're having a cup of coffee or a tea in the morning. Just take 15 minutes. I want to encourage you, if you're on a big beginning journey or you're starting to get to know God, just read the New Testament. Just begin to read it and just simply talk to God. That's all prayer is. Just tell him how you feel. And then just write those thoughts down. I promise you, your sense is connection. Your sense is presence. And in his presence, joy will come. In his presence, your bucket will go from empty you'll start to get filled. Secondly, one of the things that I do very much is I just love my family. My, my family with four children and with Caroline. And of course, now we've got another one in the family called Jonathan. Um, you know, they, Annie and Jonathan are, are getting married towards the autumn of, of this year. And family, family are a real replenishment for me. In fact, it says in Psalm 127 verse 3, and that's why we pick up on people who make statements. I know what you're thinking about, you know, you're not really meaning it, but we pick up on those who say about the kids and, oh yeah, I'm glad when they're older or whatever. Listen, this is what the Bible says. Psalm 127 verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. So if we ever pick you up on it, you might be tongue in cheek, but can I ask us not to have that language? Children are a blessing of God. You know, you, some of you are a lot older than us. Now you're into grandparents and great-grandparents. We're just in that point now where, my goodness, where has the time gone? Here, here today and gone tomorrow. I can't believe that, you know, my, our, youngest, our youngest is going to be married this year. I can't believe it. Oh, sorry, eldest, sorry. <laughs> Shows you listening. If my youngest was getting married, that would be weird. (laughs) Weirder. And Lord, may my youngest get married in a long, long years. Long, 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 you know, down the way. (laughs) You see, children are a blessing. 
your husband might get on your nerves at time and your wife might, and it might be that you actually need some help. You might need some counsel if it's that bad. But don't, throw it, don't throw it in yet. Because our families are a blessing of the Lord. You know, if you have a family, you're blessed. There's some people here who live in isolation. My mind went to one or two people. And I am so glad that those people are here because they are part of this family. We have adopted you as part of our wider family. This is why small groups is so good. Because they can be adopted into a family. I'm glad that we have groups that meet the needs of people. Because not everybody comes with other people. There's other people who come alone. But I want to tell you, and I pray that it will always be the case, you will never be alone. You will never be alone. Because family is so, so important. And I get such replenishment from the family times, from the things that we do together. It's a real bucket filler for me. It really is. Thirdly, satisfying work. Yeah, I did say satisfying work. It's a replenisher. You know, this is what it says in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 18. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat and to drink and to find satisfaction in the toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Put another way, it is good and proper for people to find satisfaction, replenishment in their work. You know, if we want to fill up the bucket, for me and for us, satisfying work is a great way of doing that. It really is. I've already said I love what I get to do. I love that I get to meet with leaders. I love that I get to pastor a church. I love that I get to work with the staff. There is no ever hint of, oh, God help us as I'm driving onto this, into this site or into Mansfield. There never, ever, that never happens. Even though I know it's busy, even though I know we're in busy seasons, Meaningful work, but again, this is what I've realized. As I talk to people, not everybody's as fortunate as me. Because there are some people who just do work, but it's not satisfying, and it's not meaningful. And all I can say is this, please don't go to the bank on this, I'm just putting it out there, that I know there have been people who've had to make some serious adjustments. A change of direction, a change of work, a change of career. To bring them into the point where they are now satisfied and their bucket is being filled am I speaking to anybody because we have to own and we have to take responsibility for our lives and also for our work change is sometimes necessary if we are to step into our God-given lives and by the way that may mean a change in lifestyle and a change in finances Because I, like many, when I stepped into the call of God to do this I had a massive change of finances Not for the better, for the worst. But I had to step into all that God had for me and I have never been happier. Number four, the recreation. Sorry, the, the, not recreate, recreation. Recreation, downtime. You know, the whole thought of recreation is that we recreate energy. That is why holidays, going to the cinema, eating a nice meal, A walk in the park. Doesn't have to cost you a lot. Whatever you like to do. Listening to music. Watching a video. These are all bucket replenishers. Bucket fillers. I get great satisfaction from taking our two youngest 
well, I used to have great satisfaction watching our two eldest dance and go and do what they used to do. And, you know, Annie was particularly into uh, sprinting and I used to enjoy going and doing it and have a hoarse voice at the end of it because I shouted so much. And the times that Eleanor was cross-country in and used to enjoy it. I used to, I, it was never an issue. I used, used to be surprised by parents saying, oh, yeah, we've got it. It's almost like we've got to be here. Why would you? It's a joy. They're my kids. I love seeing them. Why? I get real replenishment from that. Watching Isaac and Lilia play basketball, I am so replenished by that. Even a date with my wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and lastly, I haven't saved this one to the last, but we do need to move quickly on it, is exercise. It's not always been a friend of mine. It's not always been a friend. And looking around the room, it's not always been a friend of some of you as well. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. You know why I'm saying that? Because I heard some of the sniggers when I said it. <laughs> but I've realised that we need exercise to control our weight, to combat sickness, to improve our mood, to boost our energy, and to promote better sleep. Interestingly, they're all on the NHS web, uh, website. All things that good exercise will do for you. As I said, it's not always been a friend. But the more I've realized that I step into that and I do my workouts and I do what I need to do, the cardiovascular, and I'm dripping with sweat and I'm not bothered who I see at the gym and they know where I'm looking at because there was a gym that, that I was at and there was other people there. I'm not bothered. I just go for it because I know that once I've done it, I know my bucket it's just getting a little bit fuller as I go along. Connecting with God, family, satisfying work, downtime, recreation, and exercise. You may say, where's the spiritual dynamic to this? Well, I hope you've heard it in all the message. Because if we want to go from exhausted to energized, then we best do some things that are going to be very practical to help us with that. I want to just read this as I finish, and I am done. It says... In Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all, who, all you who are weary and burdened. Do we have any weary and burdened people here today? I think we do. I think we have some weary hearts and weary minds and weary bodies. And Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You can trust this Jesus this morning as you come to him. And as you come to him, he says, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I wonder if we bow our heads in prayer.